but I yeah. am still upset that they did not make the bad guys Russia, specifically because it was found out later on that the coach, the Wolf the Dentist character, had he been Russian, Mm -hmm. he could have been played by Tim Curry. I'm sorry, what? It's knucklepuck time! What the heck kind of a shot was that? You've never heard of a knucklepuck? Whoa! And welcome, everyone, to Knucklepuck Time. <laughs> My name is Andrew Apple. I remain David Hanklow. And I'm Mark Winsky. This week, we're talking about D2, The Mighty Ducks, in anticipation of the new Disney Plus series, Mighty Ducks Game Changers. For those of you who have never seen the movie before, first off, please let us know in the comments below how you got here. But we're very happy you're here. And uh, second, here's a refresher. After successfully making it onto Minnesota's minor league hockey team and unfortunately ending his career shortly thereafter due to injury, Gordon Bombay returns home to figure out what he's going to do next with his life. At the urging of Hans's brother, Jan, the largest sponsor for the Junior Goodwill Games, decides to make Bombay their new spokesman and see to it that he's hired to lead the USA's Junior Goodwill Games hockey team. Through a series of highs, lows, hijinks, and self-examination, the USA hockey team gets a few new players, a good dose of quacking, and ultimately a win over the heavily favored Iceland team to bring the championship home. Mark. What stood out most to you in this sequel? Well, f- first of all, Andrew, that recap was stupendous. That was uh, <laughs> top-notch recapping. So if, 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 if people haven't seen this movie yet, like, that was it. It was great. Um, so many great things stood out to me. I still love, just like D1, this movie holds up like this holds up uh, what t- 20 25 years later mm-hmm. yeah it's it's unbelievable how the memories of my childhood came flooding back and also like deep rooted plot lines i'm like wow this is amazing yeah I, I, part of why I love this movie so much is the first one is ostensibly about hockey. It's, it's about everything we talked about before, fathers, sons, class dynamics. You know, those are the threads. But it does still try to be about hockey. This one takes hockey in the thinnest of actual views to the point where they basically stop having rules. And I love that. I absolutely love this movie. Understands that most of the people watching it don't actually know anything about hockey. So it was great for us because unlike Andrew, as we mentioned last episode, neither Mark nor I knows anything real about hockey. But now we know that much more because of episode one. Like, look at us growing and learning just like... We are learning certain things, like it's illegal to clothesline someone. (laughs) It makes sense, but I did have to check that. (laughs) Speaking of that, though, like, let's just get into it. Like, why? Why was the Iceland team just able to do this? Like, why were they so angry? And it looked like trying to just take out every player. I know it's part of hockey to like check and hit and all that stuff, but like, 
feel a lot of that stuff was against hockey rules, as you said. Andrew, do you have any thoughts? Yes, I do. The thing we need to remember is that the reason that Iceland are the bad guys from the best that I can find is literally only because the word ice is in their name. The bad guys were originally supposed to be Russia to sort of mimic what happened in 1980 with the Miracle on Ice. Russia has a very aggressive hockey style. My understanding had been that this this establishment had been kind of for two reasons. One, the Rodney King riots happened between Mighty Ducks 1 and Mighty Ducks 2. So America was very aware of race. And in hockey, most everyone is white. So setting D2 in Los Angeles, they very much wanted to go, okay, who can we cast like who can the enemy be who is going to be entirely white so we can show that america is multiracial and also the fact that they also address as we've talked before about uh class issues by bringing in the the urban team the inner city team in d2 led by russ tyler and his podcast name knuckle puck <laughs> that was part of showing that america was a united group against solidarity which could be represented entirely by just a whole bunch of old white guys who all look like they're in their 20s by the way yeah wow that's i'm learning that right now i am today years old when i came to that reality and it makes perfect sense also i know that uh i just blanked on his name uh ted Bundy. Tom, no, Turner. Famous, incredibly rich Ted Turner. There we go. Thank you. Ted, I cannot believe I forgot that. Ted Turner is the founder of the Goodwill Games. Mm-hmm. And Ted Turner was expanding his media empire at the time. And the U.S. and Russia had really good relations at the time. Probably the best that we've had since World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the time where Russia was basically allowing forms of capitalism, forms of outside news, and other such very American things, to actually come into the country and their affiliates. So there was no way that in a Goodwill Games-style situation, Ted Turner was going to allow Russia to be embarrassed. And therefore, I imagine the screenwriters, and I do not have this confirmed, but I imagine, were not also going to put the same situation in line. I doubt they could have gotten the rights to the Goodwill Games name if they were putting something at risk that might embarrass Ted Turner's new potential business partners. You are actually 100% correct on that. It was because... (laughs) Everything was starting to mellow out between the U.S. and Russia. But I am still upset that they did not make the bad guys Russia, specifically because it was found out later on that the coach, the the Wolf the Dentist character, had he been Russian, Mm -hmm. he could have been played by Tim Curry. I'm sorry, what? That was supposed to be Tim Curry playing an angry Russian hockey player. So here's what happened, okay? We have talked about <laughs> offline. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go too because that I I'm, I'm now immediately what? upset and like this movie at least five percent less. Bye, Andrew. Enjoy. So <laughs> offline, we have talked about the absolute bananas 
TV series that was the animated Mighty Ducks series, which is on Disney Plus right now as well. And I highly recommend everyone watch the first episode because, oh, my God, it is so crazy. It may be the greatest animated series. Even for the magic absurdity of early 90s animated shows where we had such shows as Gargoyles, where people in a city were just totally fine with the fact that giant, effectively demons, fought crime and maybe killed people. It was never really confirmed. Somehow Mighty Ducks is crazier than anything else you can find. Ren and Stimpy seems reasonable next to some of the Mighty Ducks themes. Some of it. Andrew, could you r- read that that uh, recap, I guess, too? But you, you want a synopsis of what happened in the Mighty Ducks animated series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I'll give you the quick IMDb breakdown. A team of humanoid duck ice hockey team slash freedom fighters fight evil between games. Starring Brad Garrett. (laughs) And the world is magical. And Tim Curry is one of the voices in there. He's Lord Dragoni? Yes. And Dennis Franz? Oh, I watched this recently and I didn't catch this. So this is what happened. They called up Tim Curry to say, hey, we want you to be one of the voices in the Mighty Ducks animated series. And when it got distilled down to him, uh, his agent basically said, we want, we, we got a call from the people who are producing the Mighty Ducks. They want you in the Mighty Ducks. And he got all excited because he thought he was being offered a role in the D2, the Mighty Ducks. Of course. And instead, it was this. So how they couldn't just take a, take a moment and step back and say, all right, um, would the awesomeness of having Tim Curry being an angry Russian hockey player coach be enough to offset the potential geopolitical ramifications of making Russia the bad guys in a movie. And I would wholeheartedly say in my completely apolitical life, yes. See, I feel like they could have threaded that needle anyway. You could have had an angry former Soviet coach, someone who refused to acknowledge the new reality, the new balance between the major powers and made him the coach of any other team. He could have just been an angry, violent, former Soviet. And then you could have had the previous issues without actually offending current Russian balance. I feel like this is a huge production loss. I I, I think Tim Curry would be amazing. Would have been great. Like but I, he could narrate the birth of my children. Yeah, don't exist. I agree. He's just an incredible human. Um, though, as I was watching this movie, my actor brain w- was going off, and I- I'm just like, this casting of Stenson is incredible. Okay. I mean, he's... He, he was a- me Like, he was like... he w- The character does have the range of granite, which is perfect. <laughs> There, there really isn't a single likable quality about this man. Mm-hmm. False. Solid hair. Di- ah. I'm not saying great. It's not, not redeemable. Flowing, not- luxurious, nothing like that. Nothing like his Iceland players, who, my God, the mains. The, um, the locks, right? The, such locks. I tried. I tried today. We'll, we, we'll respect talk later. we respect your, Bla- your Bash Brothers homage with the The Bash Brothers. I'm ready mm-hmm. to go. Yep, we will 
insert, we will rock you. We, we can't afford the rights to that, sorry. Huh. Wolf the Dennis Samson went on to be uh, in Man in the High Castle. That seems... Appropriate? Yeah, appropriate and a little close. A little... He knows his lane. I mean, good for him. Understand how you can play. We're just like gushing over these actors right now. And in in the very niche market of, of fans of Curry and Mighty Ducks, like... I doubt that's a niche market. I, I, I would be hard-pressed to find someone who is not a Tim Curry fan. Really? I would love... Please mention in the comments what percentage of you, how many of you are lovers of both Mighty Ducks and Clue and or Muppet Treasure Island? Or Home Alone 2. Thank or, you. He played, in, he played in everything. He, he played in everything. Tim Curry was except, an omnipresent man in the 90s. Except, except, Mighty except Ducks. this movie. He played in everything except... <laughs> Oh, this movie. Well, on on uh, our next podcast, pa- podcast, we'll just devote it to Tim Curry. <laughs> I love this plan. Um, but yes, in terms of why Iceland team was allowed to do uh, anything they wanted, my general assumption, having watched the rest of the movie, is that the refs didn't know hockey either. Because the sheer number of things that take place from every team, from the United States team, from... The Trinidad and Tobago team, which props for making the cut. Like that's for an island that has not seen ice maybe ever, props. That's hard. But yeah, it, I, I must assume that the refs also did not know hockey. So just kind of were just like, this seems like sport. Okay, so I, I, I want to jump into this other fact that assuming that we just accept that Hans had a silent partner in the hockey shop in his brother Jan and that Hans had to go back to Austria to visit his mother, which is a totally legitimate reason and not because he secretly killed Coach Riley after the last movie. Assuming all of that is just like taken for granted, all right? Why do we think that Hans and Jan wielded so much power in the hockey world that they are able to convince what is essentially the biggest hockey apparel company to get behind this peewee hockey slash former minor league hockey player. I have a mathematical reason. It's a theory, but I'm calling it fact. So the great majority of the hockey players from the state of Minnesota do come from the Twin Cities region extended. Part of that is just the concentration of the state. Part of that is, I imagine, just how easy it is to be seen. That it's, you know, it's a state that is fairly concentrated. It's like Indiana basketball. Like Exactly. It's, exactly. Yeah. If, if you're more remote, it's, it's just infinitely harder for people to know how good you are because you just aren't being seen. That said, Minnesota produces 17.4% of all American players in the NHL. They produce twice as many, on average, NHL players as New York or Massachusetts, which are the third and fourth highest contributors. Uh, Michigan produces, on average, around 35. Any given year, you look at how many players from the NHL are from Michigan, and the answer is about 35. From Minnesota, it's around 44. So they literally are the primary salespeople 
for the highest concentration of NHL trajectory players in the country. That's how they're able to have such power. They may just seem like, you know, small, casual people selling selling gear to a local community, but they honestly seem to have a true chokehold on the NHL potential of America's biggest hotbed. So, also, they clearly have enough work allowed to kill Coach Riley, and it'd be fine. Yeah, they could do that. I, I, I just feel like it isn't, it isn't that crazy that, that 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 could happen once you break it down, Andrew. Now, it is crazy that the rest of the Ducks would be on that team. <laughs> now, I mean, I'll, I'll put it out there. A lot of the Goodwill Games does seem to be about branding. And anyone who's watched the Olympics knows that though there are events that are just fun to watch, the events that you don't know that much about or the average person doesn't know that much about, what gets you into them is the story behind the players that you're seeing compete. You know, when well, Michael Phelps, we heard his history. When uh, Dora Torres came back, there was so much history of like who this person is, what they, what it took to, to reach this point. When you create these narratives around individuals, whether they win or lose, we care about them. We tune in. So to bring Coach Bombay and his ducks along creates a heck of a narrative. It does. It shows, hey, this is America where literally anyone can rise to the highest level. Of course, that doesn't explain why they kept Goldberg in goal when he's bad. You bring up a really good point that the Ducks being brought in was definitely a marketing tactic that seems to have worked. But some of the Ducks did not come along. Honestly, a little ruthless. Charlie went from Spazway to hitting that goal and becoming somehow team captain to then being deputized to just cull the fat from the herd. Just like, Charlie, go get the Ducks. I'm just not going to get some of them. I'm going to get the ones I think are good. We do miss those other players, though, Andrew. We do. Oh, yeah. Tammy, Tommy, Dave, Peter. Like, it's Tommy, Tommy. Oh. Carp. <laughs> Andrew Carp. Andrew Carp. Don't you mean Dave Andrew Carp? Andrew Carp. David Carp. <laughs> Dave Carp. <laughs> Apologies to David Carp. This brings up the question, Mark, would you have brought along any of the other players in place of some of the players that we got? I'm going to hard pass that and say no. Absolutely. I will not. They were bad. They, they, they really didn't do anything. Anything. They barely saw the ice. Like They were all bench warmers in an ice-cold hockey rink. Let's just put that. Let's get into the new Ducks. The new Ducks were obviously brought in specifically for their character quirks more than anything else so that they could forward the story. Wait, wait. Are you saying that a a, man, a, a hockey puck handler from Texas who can't really shoot that well or skate that well shouldn't be on the U.S. national team? Again, it's about... The, the key is not team. The key, the key is U.S. So that's why we have someone from Maine. We have someone from Miami. We have someone from Texas. We have someone from Chicago. Uh, and then eventually we have someone from Los Angeles. That's, that's cities. Texas is not a city. I don't actually know what city he was from. Was he from Austin? You are right. He seemed way too cowboy to be Austin. Even in the 90s when Austin wasn't as tech hub as it is now. Austin was still Austin. It was 
Keep It Weird Austin, not Cattle Rustling Country Austin. Stephen Brill, by his own admission, only knew so much about hockey. He even said in interviews that he was not very good at <laughs> hockey. He just liked it. That's really funny. I love the idea that the writer of arguably the three most well-known American movies about hockey doesn't know anything about hockey. This is the one of the reasons why, though, it works because it is grounded in the characters. You know, we are Charlie, you know, or we are Julia the Cat. We are we are all Julia the Cat, I feel. Yes. I, I, I was a big fan of Aaron Lore. If you couldn't tell, Dean Portman. Are you shocked by that at all? Based on your look right now, absolutely. Oh, this? By what do you mean? No, but seriously, those two guys brought so much energy to the movie. And it was just like fun to have some goofballs who just like hit people hard. It was very old school Philly that it was very much a callback to the, the older, more brutal days of hockey. The general idea of just like, yeah, one of them could shoot. Did Portman ever touch a puck? No. No. I don't remember him ever touching a puck. His exclusive purpose was to hit people really hard. Yes. And though I personally don't love that morally, it was really fun to watch. The choreographed hits were incredible agreed like the the airtime involved was just as a child as a 10 year old as an eight year old whatever like Mm -hmm. even as a 30 year old like it's fun to see people fall down on the ice it really is and delightful to watch them train kenny Wu, the figure skater to become (laughs) a, a fellow bash brother Though, perhaps I overstate. They encouraged the behavior. It was Russ and his gang in L.A. that trained him how to be tough. Dick. Gloves. Gloves. Shirt. Shirt. Don't you ever forget it. It's knuckleball time! I would like to go into a new segment, and by new segment I mean a segment we didn't do last week. Uh, Mm. And I want to call it uh, the penalty box. Uh, And this is where we can air our grievances and we can point out the things that we saw in the movie where it was like that that's suspect. That's that's uh, not sure how well that uh, that that holds up. So, Mark, (laughs) do do you have any uh, grievances to air while you're sitting in the penalty box? I'm going to pass this to David, actually. I got a lot of grievances. (laughs) He's got a lot of grievances right now and he's 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 ready to go. I like to complain about things. It's part of my nature. I'm German and Irish of descent. My people get drunk and we yell about things. It's what we do. Also, sometimes we try and move places. It doesn't always go well. Anyway, that got dark. No, that's actually very appropriate because do you know who else likes to drink and yell at things? Hoggy fans. That's okay, fair. Anywho. And we're back. And we're back. First thing. I love the knuckle puck. Incredibly cool idea. Incredibly cool shot. It never moves side to side. It's just up and down. So unlike in baseball, where you're trying to hit a knuckleball and you're stuck in one position, any decent goalie 
just slides to that side. They just stand totally still, and their body, it will hit somewhere on their body. Somewhere. It's only going up and down. They have full range of movement. So, issue one. Issue two, and I brought this up last time. Why doesn't Fulton take every shot? The man literally shoots things like a, like a shotgun. If you can murder someone with a hockey puck, with the amount of force you put behind it, why? Why is anyone else ever shooting ever? Ever. It's like having a tank and sending in the, like the, the infantry. It's just dumb. Just shoot the tank. Okay. Three. Three. Okay, Mendoza from Miami. Really fast. Cool. Awesome that he can do things. Um, what is Bombay's obsession with using hot, no, with using soda cans? Always. All the time. First movie, second movie. It's always stacked soda cans to try and encourage people to do things. One, where are you getting all these soda cans? Not good for society. Not good for anything. Soda. Um, <laughs> two. Point of order. Point of order. Uh, I uh, don't have this on any authority. I'm in the of my air. <laughs> I don't have this on any authority, but uh, soda cans are a very easy way to work in product placement. Just saying. It's an excellent point. Do you remember any any product on any of those soda cans? I believe I did see something that moderately resembled Seagram's ginger ale, but I couldn't actually see the logo. Honestly, I might have seen that too, and I might have seen a Sprite. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with green Sprite. <laughs> Yep. Okay. All well, right. For two hundred. Your point is taken. I just remember watching that and thinking, "Oh, cool visual." Someone just tried to stop, and they slid through a giant wall of soda cans. But it would take so long to stack those cans. Just put up anything—a sheet, a, like a, a, one of those traffic cones from the street. Literally anything. And, and uh, not just that. I'm gonna <laughs> piggyback off of this grievance, if Thank I may. You. Yes. How do you get to the level that you are at and not be able to stop? Is my question. Agreed. That, that's a pretty. That's a that's a pretty big. Can't do. I mean, the fact that every person on this team, except apparently Julia the cat Gaffney, who for some reason we just never use, um, every person on this team has some major fundamental flaw with their talent, and yet somehow. It's surprising that Iceland is favored. <laughs> if you have a team of accomplished athletes on one side and a bunch of ragtag at like just sure they can do great things, but like there's none of them are complete. Like they're all good at something, but they're a team. And they I think that's what we drive. That's what drives this whole movie. And we've actually come to see in professional sports and college sports that a lot of the times the better team will prevail. No question. Over I'll agree with you on that. And they became such a team players. that an NHL team was born from them. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it could, as, as they say in angels in the outfield, Hey, it could happen. So, and this is where my nerdiness really kicks in hearing this because... Wait, this is where it kicks in? Right yes, now? correct. Now, I love you. <laughs> Today, the hockey team in question, which was originally known as the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, mm -hmm. is now strictly known as the Anaheim Ducks because Disney sold their stock in the company, is now owned privately by another company. 
they then, in the process, also sold the trademark to Mighty Ducks to this new private owner. I want to know how much they had to pay to get the trademark back in order to do this Disney Plus series. I, in general, because I am an IP nerd, I have seriously considered going to law school many times just to study IP law. This would actually, this has the potential to be one of my favorite case lines, including my favorite most recent one, that Netflix registered the term Space Force before the government did. (laughs) Yep. For the U.S. government to have a Space Force, they have to pay Netflix in perpetuity for the licensing rights. That is real. I love this stuff. So thank you, Andrew, for bringing this up because that is a magnificent absurdity that the rights just got sold and sold and then had to be bought back even though they weren't being used. That is wonderful in so many ways. Didn't that go on with the Dallas Cowboys uh, a couple years back too? I believe it was a guy bought the website that for somehow the Dallas Cowboys website for like four minutes. Expired. Expired. Fully expired and a guy bought it and Jerry Jones had to pay the guy like a quarter of a million dollars. Okay, was that real or was, because the only time I actually saw that was, that was a plot line on The League. I definitely think it was real. Yeah. November 9th, 2010, DallasCowboys.com yeah. actually expired. Yeah, that's a real thing. The world is magical. That's also a magical episode of The League, by the way. You, you should absolutely go and seek out that episode. I think it's the season five premiere. Highly I assume it's Taco who buys the website. 100%. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> and um, Nick Kroll, if you are listening, which of course you are. <laughs> Hi. You're talented. Love your work. (laughs) Is Gordon Bombay a bad lawyer or is he the worst lawyer ever? Because the first thing you learn in law school is never sign a contract without reading it. And the Mm -hmm. moment that Don sits Gordon down in a fancy limo and says, here's how much money we're going to pay you, he ignores this what appeared to be minimum 15-page endorsement contract and just signs it, when in all reality, that contract could say that he is required to walk around with no shoes on and at least once a week, it has to be on glass. It must have been a big number. Yeah. It must have been a real big number. I mean, the the level to which they really hype the coach of the Goodwill Games of a team that is entirely a branding story. I mean, cool. Uh, But, I mean, there's a point in this movie where Coach Bombay is talking with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar about a sports loafer called the Air Bombay for children. For kids who want to coach. Yeah. So I agree with Mark. That must have been a really big number. And to go back to D1, he was never a very good lawyer. And he didn't seem to ever have a whole lot of morals. I mean, like money seemed to drive a lot of things for him. Part of what I like about this movie, it's the reversion of old Bombay. And then the return of the good man. I mean, come on. He comes out like Pat Riley at one point with his hair fully slicked back. Like he. Oh, yes. Captain Blood. Did you know that Pat Riley actually was the inspiration for The Dentist? 
Really? Yeah. I believe I believe it. Yeah, I mean that that works. But <laughs> it looks just it looks just like the man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so I, I wanna dig into what? something that's been alluded to, uh, which is the complete and utter mishandling of the goalie situation mm-hmm. on this team. Mark, how do you justify having Goldberg be goalie number one over Julie the Cat? I'm gonna, uh, I'm just gonna go by seniority. He knows the offense. He's been playing with this team for uh, a while, and he knows the team. He, he knows tendencies. That's all I got, and I'm, 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 I'm trying to to justify this real hard. I'm going six. I'm just throwing that out there. Like, there's Julie and there's Connie. Those are the only women on the team. Do we ever see any indication of a women's locker room? Ever? No. No. No, no there's one locker room, and everyone interacts in that locker room. This is a team that tries to treat women exactly as equals in the sense that we often did in the 90s of just going, cool, we're going to provide one set of things, and whatever happens to you, that's just what happens to you, which sucks. Because what happens is sexism and discomfort. That's what happens. I missed so that part really, of the movie. <laughs> I missed that whole... Thing. I dig too deeply into things. But you're not wrong. But you're not wrong. Great. Julie is an amazing goalie. As it showed She's incredible. Mother. And she should be the starter. She should... If she was the starter, no one would have ever scored on them ever. Ever. She literally comes in and stops in the most pivotal moment possible. The best player in the entire competition. Just completely cold, just handles it. Like, I'm sorry, if you can roll in and do that, why aren't you always the goalie? No one will ever score. Bombay could have continued being a Pat Riley slicked hair douche, and they still would have won everything, because no matter how badly the rest of the team played, she would not have let anyone score. If you can UVA defense their way through. It's like, oh yeah, like no one else can score, so I guess we don't have to be very good at offense. Like, okay, good, you just win things. Be better. Bombay is a terrible coach. I think you actually, David, just pointed out the truth there. The abdication of being a coach and recognizing that you have to elevate the correct talent was Bombay's major issue during the first two-thirds of the movie where he's Mm -hmm. turning into Captain Blood. Having Goldberg, the less qualified goalie, being in the goal the entire time shows that he's not really paying attention. He's seeing this hockey thing as a means to an end. By the time that we get to the end of the movie, putting Julia the Cat in is his final redemption. Or at least that's what they're trying to make it be. We don't get true redemption until D3 when... Do I need to put a spoiler alert on it? I'm going to put a spoiler alert on it just in case Julia the Cat becomes the number one goalie over Goldberg. Which is just reasonable. (laughs) Um, Sorry. Uh, As another line of Bombay being a truly terrible coach. And Emilio, I am a fan of your your career. You're a fun actor. But uh, uh, unless these refs, as we brought to earlier, uh, as we alluded to earlier, truly have no concept of the rules of hockey, 
you being that late for that game that they had to improvise and just declare their tutor the temporary coach like th- i'm sorry like in any professional sport there is a registered list you can't just point to someone in the audience and be like that's our coach that counts right and if the refs had any concept of the rules of hockey which fortunately they did not hence why you were allowed to literally just clothesline people and throw them through things whatever but if they had actually been refs then you being late would have ended your team's chance at a championship and there's no indication of what you were doing. Were you just like were you just scouring Los Angeles for a duck whistle? <laughs> I imagine they're hard to find. I've lived in LA. <laughs> I'm sorry, David. David, I gotta stop you. That is probably one of the funniest things you've ever said. Thank you. I'm sorry. The man wanted a symbol and he showed up late for a game that could have gotten his whole team disqualified from the competition. Bombay. If you're gonna if you're gonna lean hard into symbolism, be prepared. You're not gonna find a duck call in Los Angeles. You're not. And if you show up late and your team, I'm sorry, without Charlie's rapid improvisation and the fact that the refs don't actually understand hockey, you cost your team everything in I, the attempt to symbolically draw them all together when half the team doesn't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> I I I would love someone to create the the spin-off bit of Gordon Bombay just just going all over LA looking for a duck collar. That would actually that would be a great college humor bit. He's like, yeah. I've got four hours till the game. I can find a duck collar. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, our time together talking about D2 is beginning to come to an end. Uh, so I'd like to go into our final thoughts. Uh, David I'll start with you. Please uh, share any final musings that you might have that you haven't been able to get out. And also tell us whether you think moving from one All That cast member in The Mighty Ducks to a different All That cast member in D2 The Mighty Ducks was an upgrade or a downgrade? First, before I get into anything else, Kenan Thompson is always an upgrade. The man is a delight. Anyone who disagrees with me, I will fight you. He's not wrong. Anchoring SNL for over a decade. Good for you, man. Yeah. It's it's incredible, is it? It is. incredible. What a career. What a career. career. And he seems like a genuine man. Yeah, he does. He seems like a great guy. But anywho, uh, additional issues or whatnot are just topics I want to talk about. We spoke a lot in our first podcast, talking about the first movie, about the the class distinction that was set up. One of my favorite elements of this movie, and I alluded to this, I believe, in our previous recording, is the sequence when Russ, played by Keenan Thompson, basically draws the Team USA into a street hockey game against his brother and all of their general friends in downtown Los Angeles. And that that is kind of the coming together of the team. them realizing and understanding what it is to be American, because this country is multicultural. It is a wide range of different economic possibilities. It is a wide variety of perspectives and capabilities united together. Also, it's freaking tough, which was the main rule of that game. It's like, there's no ref. Honestly, there's no ref in their real games either. But uh, but yeah, like they just beat the snot out of each other. And they played until it was done. And I love that about this movie. 
I do. Also, as a closing note, in honor of Mark, I brought a sandwich. <laughs> Love it. It's a really big sandwich. <laughs> My jaw doesn't go that far. I'm not a snake. Mark, as David devours his sandwich, please give us your final thoughts and uh, tell us whether you think in one corner uh, we have Benny the Jet Rodriguez and okay. Kenny de Nunez from The Sandlot. And mm-hmm. in the other corner, we have Luis Mendoza and Jesse Hall. Who wins that fight? Man, two really fast Dudes. I give a Danny Jesse. Manson calls cake eater. <laughs> I I mean, so I gotta give it to to J- Jesse and Mendoza. Mm-hmm. I got to. I, I I mean I think I think those two w- wouldn't give up. Because like they're, they haven't given up on any uh, of these teams, and um, I'm not saying that Benny would give up because he's a star. He leaped over the fence and got that Babe Ruth ball, but uh, I'm giving it to Jesse. That that is the correct answer because. We've seen how they fight in the Sandlot, and we've mm-hmm. seen how they fight in D2, and their fighting skills in D2 are vastly superior. Vastly superior, yeah. Also, I agree. In D2, they have knives on their feet. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> they do have amount of knives. They do have I'm sorry. Like, if you're picking a fight, like, well, act, no, pause. Does the other side have baseball bats? How are they coming into this fight? Are they just rolling in yeah. like kids? Or are they rolling in post-game? Because one side has knives on their feet and hockey pads. The other side has a baseball bat. Is Benny coming in holding Hercules? Like if Jake can have a snake in a bag, can Benny the Jet Rodriguez come in with a giant dog named Hercules? I think so. We've just gone WWE with this? Okay. Oh, yeah. Cool. I am. Yeah. That's where I went right away. Tag team matchup. Honestly, I would watch that. Yeah. I'm sorry. How has Fox not done this yet? I mean, for years, I feel like we watched all those ridiculous shows of just like man versus beast. It's 40 dolphins versus a tractor. Like, <laughs> it was all these amazing, ridiculous things. How do they never have fist fight? The Mighty Ducks versus the Sandlot. They like, did. It was called Celebrity Deathmatch, and it was on MTV. Fox did not have that, though. That is Fox true. Fox did it with real people and real dolphins. Though, I, okay, I, changing it up a little bit, I did learn something incredible from this rewatch of D2. Tell me more. Um, I finally figured out why growing up, no one could do the, the, the knuckle puck. At least me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And w- w- when it hit me why I couldn't do it, it made perfect sense and I justified everything. Russ is l- left handed. And I'm not. That's definitely the reason. I couldn't do a knuckle puck. 
before we get too reason. deep into that, I think that's the perfect place to end today's conversation. Uh, thank you so much for sticking with us on this journey. Next week, we'll be obviously diving into D3, the Mighty Ducks, which will be our last pit stop before we actually get started with Mighty Ducks Game Changers on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we want to take a moment and apologize. Uh, we originally planned on having an interview with Keenan Thompson, uh, but we ran out of time. So, uh, Keenan, we're sorry. We're going to uh, try to get you on next week. We'll get it next week, man. We'll, we'll make it work next week. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Uh, so, with that in mind, this has been Knuckle Puck Time. Also, Dave Carp, you owe me 10 bucks. <laughs> you know why. <laughs> And with that in mind, this has been Knuckle Puck Time. I have been Andrew. I remain David. And I'm still not Nick Kroll, but I'm Mark Winsky. We'll quack you later. We'll quack you later. (laughs) 